me deciding to walk in my purpose and my truth has made my life a complete 180, you know, in subtle ways. Like, and like, you know how they say, like, you know, you have a toothache, it can affect your health. Like, I think that's kind of what being yourself does too. It affects so many other areas of your life. But. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guests and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of our expectations and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counselor in Georgia. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Authentic Wednesday podcast. As always, welcome, 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 and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I have a guest on the podcast today, and his name is Obio Jones. He likes to think of himself as a believer, not just in God, but in humanity and in people. He hosts a YouTube show called Combos with O, where he tackles every stigma you can think of. His mind is constantly thinking of ways to represent various communities of people. So we'll just like to say there will be more to come. So let's go ahead and get into this great conversation. Hello, Obio, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I am super, super excited to have you on here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to get this thing rolling. So let's do it. Okay. (laughs) So everyone, just so you know, I've actually been on your Instagram live, but I have been watching a lot of his Instagram lives lately and they've been very juicy. So um, (laughs) topics. So I have him here on the show to share some stuff. First question I always ask is, What does authenticity mean for you? That's a really good question. I think for me, authenticity and integrity kind of go hand in hand in my mind. So I think if I can be who I am in my private spaces, in my public spaces, then I think for me, I feel and I um, exude authenticity. But I think the second I, I clam up or the second I run who I am to this grinder of people's, um, um, scope of me or perception of me, then I start to veer off. You know what I mean? And it, it becomes less of me being who I am and more of me being who I should be, who they want me to be, opposed to me being my authentic and true self. Okay, cool. I love that. Authenticity and integrity. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So I always like to talk about this. Have you always been authentic? No. I have not always been authentic. I think I've come into my authenticity in recent years. By recent years, I mean last week. (laughs) 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 It's been a journey for me just because of everything that I am is not everything that people love. And I think having to remind myself of that kept me in a box. You know what I mean? I think oftentimes we are not unbeknownst to what wins in our community, right? Being the best at this, looking this way, sounding this way, talking like this, talking about this, liking this, you know? And I think for me, I always um, knew that and was very aware of that. So I spent most of my time perfecting who I should be, right? To the point where I had gotten so good at it that I forgot they wasn't who I truly was, you know? Because I got so good at being who I was supposed to be for every moment and arriving to every moment as who I'm supposed to be that I forgot that, wait a minute, is this even who I am? And I think for me to then go back 
to then examine the parts of me that are not truly who I am or how I feel. Um, and then having to address those. And then, like I said before, take that public comfort, I meant to take that private comfort publicly was scary. You know what I'm saying? Because now I have to show up as my full self and not have to deal with somebody not liking who this full self is, you know, losing the people who already was enjoying the old version of who I wasn't. Like, you know, and so now I have to then address all these things at one time to be me. And so it was tough and scary. But I think now just walking in my true self has been amazing. Isn't it? Oh my, oh my God. God, you said so many good things though. Like I always talk about that. It's a journey and it is scary to be authentic. Like people, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, should I do it? Shouldn't I? Shouldn't I? I'm like, yeah, it's scary, but it's so worth it. I, I mean, woof. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're reminded of it so often. You know what I mean? Like you're reminded of the advantage of, of code switching, the advantage of being this person in this space, the advantage of what this, what this receives, but then it may not be who you are. So. What were the advantages? Uh, I think it's being widely received. I think for me specifically, like I think most people don't know this and I guess I'll say it on this platform here, like I'm gay. And so I think me being a gay guy who doesn't present as a gay guy um, came with its own challenges, right? Because, mm. you know, there's a certain advantage to being perceived as straight there's a certain advantage to being perceived as heterosexual so me being me having an understanding and then like but also me not me not authentically being someone who is um more feminine like this is truly who i am right so then that that song and push and pull and that song and dance was tough for me because on the one hand like i'm showing up as me but you don't know who i truly am because of what society has told you gay looks like so now you're receiving me in this way, but then I want to be my authentic self. But it's like, how does that go without me being a caricature? So it was this really big conundrum of like, at what point do I say like, this is who I am versus like, this is who I'm not. This is who I want to be. You know, it was just a lot. So yeah, it was a true advantage though. You know, there was a, a way I was received. I'm still received that way now, but it was a way I was received. There was a way, um, opportunities I was given, um, things I had to turn down after coming to grips with who I am that the old me wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like all that came into play. So yeah, it was an advantage for sure. <laughs> so, wow. You just said like 20 million things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just tell me to shut up. Just tell me to be quiet. <laughs> no, what I mean is you said 20 million things and now I want to talk about all of them, okay. but, um, which okay. is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. What was the name or do you have a name for that mask? that you wore? Mm, mm, that's such a good question. Oh, I haven't named it. And I've never named it. I think if I had to name it in this moment, um, I was a do boy. He was a do boy. He did what he did, what he was supposed to do. He did what others expected of him. He was a do boy, you know, and he was just a really good one. So you didn't know it, but he was a do boy. <laughs> wow. For sure. That's so good. Mm-hmm. So does everyone know that you're gay? Most people? Yeah, I think most. Well, maybe not my followers, probably, but I think everybody in my personal spaces, friendships and that kind of thing, they know. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any reason they don't know? Publicly, I think it would. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not nervous to say it or anything like that. I just think that, again, like 
who I am may or may not give it to you. You know what I mean? And I think I've always found myself since coming out, you know, <laughs> wrestling <laughs> with like, what does that look like? Does I need to put a rainbow flag in my bio? Do I need to like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what does that really look like? You know what I'm saying? But then it's like, who I truly am is not that kind of person anyway. So it's like, you know, I don't know. And then I always envision like, maybe if I had like a partner, then I think, you know, I think life, I probably want to show my partner off. So I think it would be more, more, um, you know, more in the forefront then. But as I say, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Do people um, need to know is kind of the question. I think they do though, to be honest. I think they, they do. do. Okay. Sure. I think so. I think people receive you in a way. And I have this conversation often about if someone is talking to you in a way um, that's not indicative of who you are, you correct them. Right. And so I think it's interesting that as gay men or queer people in general, we tend to remain ambiguous when people are, are interacting with us in ways that we are not, right? If I was to say, you know, say, say I was, I was receiving you like you grew up in America and I was, I was, I was pushing all these American customs on you and you would, then you would correct me and say, I didn't grow up here. That's not customary where I'm from. You would, you would correct me because that's not where you're from. Likewise to me, if someone's saying, oh yeah, where the girls at? Where the chicks? You know, this and that. And I think we always tend to remain ambiguous. I don't know. Or, you know, I don't, you, you got them all opposed to saying, I, don't, I wouldn't have any women because I would have men. I think if you get comfortable in your skin, you want people to receive you for your full self. And so my full self is somebody who's gay. It's not the best part of me, but it's definitely a part of me. So once your followers, I'm sure you're going to share this on your platform, hear this, they'll know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Surprise. No, but yeah, for sure. Here's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't see this one coming, huh? But yeah. So what has helped you take off that mask and be more authentic? I think I think there's a loneliness attached to being fake, you know, and I think you can find yourself um, not enjoying life because you're so busy puppeteering life. And I think for me, I found myself just very, very lonely because I was taking a backseat from people because they, they may get too close to see who I truly was. I think for most people in, the, in this space, right, when you're pretending to be anything, you're pretending to be rich, pretending to be whatever. They can't come to your house because you're not rich, right? Or they can't, you, you can't hang out with so much because you don't have any money. So there's all these things that I think closeness reveals. And for me, I just got super, super uncomfortable with being by myself. And I was like, okay, well, you have two choices. Live a lie. And just now, now not only are you a public phony, but now become a, even, a, even a private phony. Or be who you are and let the world open up to you and enjoy yourself. And I think for me, it was just like, I'm just going to be who I am. Let the world open up and see where the chips fall. Man, that reminds me of, um, so, cause I specialize in the perfectionism and it mm. reminds me if there is this belief or this common thought that if you know who I really am and you really get close to me, you won't like what you see. Mm-hmm. You will reject me mm-hmm. in a sense. Yep. And so that kind of reminds me of what you're saying like if people got close to you and really saw who you were, yep. they'd reject you. But you was like, forget it. I, I'd rather you reject me and know who I can be with versus being lonely. So it sounds like the loneliness was overruling the fear of rejection. Yep. That's so good. Yep. 
literally on the nose. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so good. I don't know, that's, that's what happens when you talk to a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> she wraps it up so perfectly. <laughs> Here, you can have that. You can have that one. <laughs> I'm going to take it with me, okay? <laughs> so I know you said it was last week, but I know it wasn't last week. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know how long ago it was, but I remember sending you a message and I was like, you, you seem different. Like mm. just from what you yep. were saying and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, from when the first time I met you. Yep. Yep. At the, <laughs> I don't know, my, it was like two years ago or something. At my um, fabulous party. Yep. Yeah. The housewarming. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I could just tell there was a sense of difference. So mm-hmm. was it really like a week ago or, you know, how long has it been this journey? You started this authenticity journey for you. I say it was May of 2019. That's what I always say, because it was my first time stepping outside of my comfort zone fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went to, uh, and I don't, I don't want to make the whole thing, I don't want to uh, monopolize this about my sexuality, but I went to a, um, a gay bar for the first time in my life. And I was like, so scared to go in there. I mean, Bianca, I was losing my mind. I'm like, I can't go in there. They're going to see me. And I don't know who's in there. You know what I mean? I was just so out of my skin. And so when I decided to go in there, I looked around and, you know, I I just saw people interacting with themselves in, the, in in this very true way that I was like, oh wow, this is this is amazing. And I think from then on, I was just, okay, I conquered this fear, keep conquering fears, and it just became like a thing of me just kind of um, finding my space. You know, and I think a lot of things um, I realized I had put on the back burner because of my discomfort, my spirituality. I, I became spiritual. I grew up religious and I had to de- demote it to spiritual because now I've adopted this lifestyle choice that then can't be supported by religion. So now I have to be agnostic or I have to like love God in this very like, you know, standoffish way. And it's even me now to welcome them back into my life in this extreme way and welcome people back into my life in this extreme way. And it'd be like, it's an amazing experience. I would say May of 2019 was me starting to say, okay, I'm going to start chipping away at the parts of me that aren't me and start bringing in the parts of me that are. Mm, okay. What other fears did you face? Oh, God. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how long, how much, how much time do we have here? <laughs> but I think, um, so financially also, you know, I'm, I'm 27 and so I finished college at 22. First job was nothing. Second job was not much of anything either. And so I think for me, then had to go with, okay, I'm about to buy my first place. So I got my first apartment and that was scary because I'm about to welcome on a pretty big bill that I've never had before, right? Coming out of college. So it was kind of figuring out financially where do I fit and then me being overwhelmed by that in that space. And then for me now to go to owning a home, so it all kind of comes full circle. Like, you know, and I, I do attribute it to being my full self. I, I think foundationally, me deciding to walk in my purpose and my truth has made my life a complete 180, you know, in subtle ways. Like, and like you know how they say, like, you know, you have a toothache, it can affect your health. Like, I think that's kind of what being yourself does, too. It affects so many other areas of your life. But those fears, um, fear of people, just even outside of sexuality, just fear of people in a sense of, like, people not liking me, you know? Like, not even, or people disagreeing with me. People not identifying with me. You know, a lot of times we want to be so agreed with often. We want people to like everything that we say. You know what I mean? And so for me to face the fear of saying, well, I have an, I have an actual opinion now. I'm not ambiguous. It's not, a, you know, it's not one of those prosperity gospels. It's a true opinion, and you can take it or leave it and facing those fears as well. So it's been a lot, but it's been, it's, it's been worth it every time. Mm. 
worth it every single time. Yeah. <laughs> when you get the mmm, that means it was good. <laughs> when a therapist gives you a mmm, <laughs> you can cut the thing off at that point. When you get a mmm. <laughs> 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 that's it you're right though it's like how long we got i'm always i'm all i'm even like dang should i make this a two-part episode <laughs> like, you have to understand like a therapist's brain is like going like a hundred miles an hour it's I like bet. oh my god this is so good <laughs> <laughs> good good normally we're struggling to get information <laughs> sometimes <laughs> no for sure i get it You've, you've said something, actually. You define confidence as owning who you are and what that looks like for you. Mm. Mm. You've moved. <laughs> 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 what you th- moving about? What you thinking about that when I say that? Sorry, I'm thinking about what I meant at that time based on my surroundings, why I defined it in that way. You know what I mean? And like how that was probably more aspirational than it was an actual definition for me. It probably was something that I wanted to have. I wanted to own who I was. You know what I mean? Ah, thank you for that honesty. So does that resonate with you now more or do you feel like that confidence definition has changed? I think it resonates with me still. I just think that it's more honest now. It's more of a like owning who you are like i'm owning who i am opposed to a hope it feels more like a reality mm-hmm. yeah. what are some of those imperfections you had to face or embrace mm. so funny <laughs> this is kind of frivolous but i was a scrawny kid i mean like little i mean like little i mean like did he eat so <laughs> and so <laughs> i had the smallest legs in literally america and so i never wore shorts in my life I played soccer, so I had to wear them then. But outside of the field, I never, ever wore shorts. And last year, I wore a pair of shorts. And I felt like, and I was like, well, and I, when I started working my legs, my legs are a little, uh, this much bigger, but they still ain't just the biggest legs in America. But I was like, okay, like, I don't really necessarily love my legs, but I'm already shorts. And I think, I think it then just became more so about how I view myself and what's more important, you know, and not to be spiritual again, but I think it's more about like how, if God is comfortable with me, and if God had a plan for my design, and if God made me this way legitimately, and I'm more comfortable in how he views me, I'm okay. You know, but I think even then there was some vanity that needed to be addressed. I was very vain, right? Because I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to look perfect. I wanted to sound perfect. I wanted to come off perfect. I never wanted anybody to see me sweat. Nothing. I pledged the right fraternity. I went to the college. I, I majored in psychology. I was helping my, you know what I'm saying? I just did what I needed to do. And I think taking all that off and welcoming the idea that I even have imperfections that will not count me out. I think we have this weird connection with imperfections thinking that imperfections are going to make you lose, you know, but it's funny how they often make other people feel even more comfortable with you, you know? Yeah. Cause we're all like wondering, you know, like I share them because I, I think I was listening to someone say that, that it's not our, what we have in common that connects us, but the fact that we're not perfect is obviously what connects us with more people because we're like, I think it goes back to that feeling of not being alone, Um, that I'm not the only one. Um, I always share like, this is why I have this podcast because I want people to see you are not alone 
and these are other people's stories and here's something that you can relate to. Right. Um, and so I think that's so important, but, and spirituality is totally something you can talk about on here because everyone has their own. Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably one of my platforms, the podcast where I talk more about my faith. Mm -hmm. So what does faith mean to you? What is, what does that look like for you? Mm -hmm. I think safety, you know, that's where I find the most safety is in my faith. I think when I need to recenter, when I need to recharge, when I need to remain centered, when I need advice, when I need to know what to do next, I lean on my faith, you know? And I think, which is why in moments where I can acknowledge where I put my faith on a back burner, I felt alone. Even when I was around a bunch of people, I still felt like I didn't have that covering that I, that I, that I believe myself to have while I'm interacting and what I'm enjoying and, and living in my faith, for sure. Okay. So, and that faith is you're a Christian or? Christian, yeah. Christian. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was talking to a friend the other day and they was like, I don't like that term. I just like to say I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I like I'm a follower that. of Jesus, follow me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this is where I'm going to be authentic and I'm going to share. I didn't know you were gay. And so when I was writing this, because I, I still want to talk about this, actually. Okay. Um, because I really wanted to talk about being black and being a guy and being abstinent. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, it is um, heterosexual. But yeah. now you just go and flip the switch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but it's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I always tell people I have learned to roll with the punches. I had Come this on. job one day for a few years. I was, a, I don't know if you ever know, I'm a po I was a pole dance instructor. Oh, and cool. she like always, not she didn't, but sometimes we just had to figure things out on the spot. And it was my worst thing because I'm a planner. You okay. Know, like perfection. Right. But um, I have learned to just roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. So we're going to roll with this today because I actually it. think it's even more juicy. <laughs> okay, let's go for it. So, um, so you're abstinent. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that choice and what that means for you. So my brother, three, uh, brother was three years older than me, and he said it was sexual. And he asked me, he told me he was, he said, I want to get closer to God. He sent me this text message. I want to get closer to God. And so I said, okay, well, eliminate the things that make you feel far. And so in my mind, in getting closer to God, to Christ, to my religion, I was started to pick away at the things that made me feel distant. And I found that uh, casually interacting with sex made me feel distant. It was hard for me to feel centered. And so I said, okay, well, we're going to have to let this thing go. And I think, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm a guy still, so it's not easy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's definitely not an easy, an easy exploration, but I will say, um, it's not even easy from, a, a, from abstaining. It's difficult also to welcome what my mind is doing in this time, if I'm being fully transparent with you, because I'm not sexualizing every moment. It's, uh, that's kind of scary for me. Because I'm used to sexualizing moments. I'm used to sexualizing people. I'm used to in involving and interacting with my sexuality. And so to then go about dating without that component is very interesting. I'm sorry, go ahead. You're about to get me. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Because I always sure. like definitions. Let okay. me double check something with you and confirm. Mm -hmm. When you say abstinent, what is that? How do you define that? Until marriage. Until marriage. Okay, cool. Just wanted mm -hmm. to make sure. And so when you say 
not interacting with your sexuality, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Well, for me personally, I think, you know, being young and being out here, like, you know, you just naturally gravitate towards like, like, you know, like dates or hanging out with somebody who you're interested in naturally has this progression of sorts, right? So you're okay. watching a movie, but you kind of understand this movie will turn into a makeout session. That makeout session will turn into a, a trip to the bedroom, you know, and having that. So not having to identify, like, I'm not interacting with that side of me and, and even like redirecting what intimacy looks like and feels like for me, right? Because in my mind, like, I looked for intimacy sexually. I'm sorry. Okay. So you are the first um, black, well, no, not even just black, but gay man that I have met that is I was about to say, in your life? What? She's never met a gay man Let before. me finish. <laughs> I was about to say, Bianca, where are you been now? <laughs> a black gay Christian man who okay. is, or even just a black, not even just a gay person who is Christian mm-hmm. and is actually abstinent. Mm-hmm. I bet, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I want to say unfortunately because it's a stereotype that yeah. gay men are very sexual, which is not true, mm-hmm. but um, that's often a stereotype. Then you have black men just in general whether you're heterosexual you know if you're fluid or or, Whatever, or, yeah. or gay you're sexual full stop for sure and so how do people kind of respond to that um and of course most people don't don't think it's real you know what i mean like i'll get him you know what i'm saying like like that's what he says but we'll see and i think um, but a lot of people became the respected, so you know, and I haven't done much dating since. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I guess we'll just have to see what comes of it, you know. Because even now, I think I haven't really done much dating in general, just because of my discomfort. But but yeah, so you know, I'm open. Ooh, you haven't much done much dating with it. <laughs> <laughs> Get at me, fellas. No, I'm just. I'm just <laughs> That's when the real hard work starts, huh? Yeah, listen to me, huh? But even now, I'm trying not to avoid it because of that, right? I don't, want, I don't want to miss out on a good person because I'm afraid of, you know, old habits or whatever, so. Okay. How long have you been abstinent? I don't clock it. Um, okay. Yeah, just because I feel like in the past when I've tried to be celibate, me clocking it made it feel like a chore. You know what I mean? It, I got me uh, clock- it wasn't, I'm not good at like, it's been two weeks. It's been six months. It's been, you know, it feels very like, like confining. And even in religion, I tell you all the time, like even when you think about commandments, you think about rules, I don't look at it as confining. I look at yeah. it as like preparation. And so for me, it's like, that's what this feels like as well. Like it's my, my eyes are so focused on like, honoring yeah. God in this way, so. So that's interesting because, um, yeah, I've been abstinent for a while and I don't even know. Like you can ask me and I'll probably just get the years wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I'll I probably it. be like trying to think and I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's talk a bit about that because some people can get that confused. And I think especially for women, it's important. So mm-hmm. you tell me about you mm-hmm. that just because I'm absent, I don't get horny or I don't Oof. think about sex or, you know, your body parts stop working. And I'm like, no, they, mine work perfectly well. Thank you very much. Perfectly uh, well. Say it with your chest. Perfectly <laughs> well. <laughs> you still get horny. I still get horny. I still get all of that. So mm-hmm. do you find that you get that as well? Do you have that experience? For sure. I think people, 
I think, yeah, just yes. <laughs> Ditto to what you just said. You know, I, I, yeah, for sure. I don't even have it. Yes, just yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sure. okay. So have you met other gay men who are absent? No. Mm-mm. I have some straight friends who are, um, but gay, no. Mm. How does that feel? Um, it, it, it's interesting because once again, like I've been there times 10 and I, I'm, I'm by no means, no, no close to the definition of a virgin. You know what I mean? So I think I've been in those spaces. So I recognize where they are. And I also recognize what the right person can do to you. I think this goes for gay or straight. Right. I think like people always have these like hiccups about people and blah, blah. But I think when the right person comes along, you'll be surprised how you adjust. And I think even when people ask me, like, what am I looking for in a person? For me, one of the top five things I always say is someone who's willing to adjust, you know, because I think likewise to relationships. If I'm with someone who cannot adjust, we won't work anyway. So, you, and I think also the question is, does my partner have to be abstinent? And the question and the answer is no. You have to respect me. And if you can respect my abstinence, I think you'll then follow suit. You know what I mean? So you don't have to come to the gate with it, but I think you have to have that level of respect and be willing to adjust. Ooh, that's interesting. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. Um, I have flipped with that so at the beginning I said they didn't have to be abstinent then somewhere in between I was like yes they do Mm -hmm. because of the temptation and then when it's two people it's a lot easier than when it's one person Mm -hmm. because I feel like when it's two you can even one of you can have a bad day and then you're like, no, and you could be that support. But when it's just one, right. I feel like you're doing more of the work. For and sure. then, um, and then later on, I think definitely with more of an understanding of God's love and more of an understanding of grace, mm. I probably actually kind of gone back to no, they don't because yeah. I believe and trust God. And if he says go, I trust him more than, these rules and regulations. Um, I think the values are very important, but having this set of, you know, it, it still means that I'm going to be absent to I'm married, but do you have to be, I feel like I've become a bit more graceful mm-hmm. in that area. For sure. Um, I think what you're saying, it goes back to respect, right? Like if someone respects you and your choices, then, then they will be that, that, um, that counterpart to you when your flesh gets a little bit mighty, right? When, when the flesh rises a little bit too tough that night and they're like, no, we still can't. You know what I'm saying? I think it, respect plays a part. And then also like for me, like I know that I can't, and it's so funny. I always used to hear my Christian friends who were celibate, abstinent virgins. And they would always talk about this curfews they had when dating or what they will and can, what they can and can't do. And I used to always be like, what are you talking about? That makes no sense. But then it kind of also, and or they, they, would, they would make it sinful, right? And so it's like, is it sin or does it lead to it, right? So it's always that question. And so for me, I'm like, but now I'm turning to the person and say, well, it's getting late. You got to go. Opposed to me in the past, it's like, it's getting late. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's book it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, then now I have to set those guardrails for myself to be honest and be, and be mature about the situation. Understand that, again, if we're going to spend every night together and we're going to be, you know what I'm saying, in these very intimate spaces, what am I welcoming? And so that has been a big adjustment for me as well. So, yeah, yeah, I never considered, I totally agree, never considered it a, a sin, but it all goes back to boundaries. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a lover of boundaries. We hate that word, boundaries, Jesus. Boundaries for your protection. And it goes back to understanding I'm a human being, I'm a sexual being, 
I might be okay in the nighttime, but in the morning, it might be a different matter. <laughs> okay, come on. Ah! <laughs> That's so real. Jesus, Mary and the Joseph. That's- <laughs> so what have you discovered since being abstinent? Oof. The good or the bad? What angle you want to take this? <laughs> Whatever you feel like is most important to share with the (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Um, I think. You know, people want the juicy stuff. (laughs) I think I've realized how weak-willed I am. You know what I mean? Like how difficult it is is and was. You know what I mean? Like, and that kind of was eye-opening for me. Like, geez, I mean, I recognize it would be a little uncomfortable, but I didn't recognize it would be this difficult for you, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, why is it so difficult for you? What, what is this? And also how much of my masculinity I put into my sexual encounters. I didn't come here to, to be this vulnerable. But, but, like, <laughs> but like, you know, how much of, of sex for me was this very um, controlled space to interact with my masculinity in such a way. You know, and so for me now not to have that and what that's done to, for me to recognize how fragile my masculinity was. You know, or how much of my attraction was connected to sex, right? Like feeling so attractive by somebody else who allowed me their personal space in this way. And, and then that made me feel more confident about who I was on the inside. But it's also external, you know what I mean? So for me now to have to um, replace that with confidence that I have has been very interesting. <laughs> I just got you wide open. You know, you know, no, it's that safe space. Uh-huh. Um, of the podcast that makes For me sure. feel good because everyone's sure. like Bianca I can't believe I told you all that <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you my social security um, number and everything Jesus <laughs> but I actually want to talk to that because um, as much as you know we're a very sexualized culture and when you think about it I'm just gonna be very raw um, a lot of what society has shown is that a big part of a man's identity is in his penis. Mm, shoot. So when you think about how many people did you sleep with, did you get that girl and how that, because, you know, it's our actions and our accomplishments that boost mm. our sense of confidence and our sense of worth. Yep. And then when you don't, you get shamed. And then that makes you now be feel worthless. Yep. And so you know, our identity is our core and is our foundation. And when you think about images, when you think about how you're raised and things like that, a big part of men's identity has been shown and has been learned. It's in your penis. It's in your sexual conquest. For sure. For sure. And so I feel like that makes so much sense that, you know, you were like, oh my gosh, is that Oh, is that where, what I thought I was worth? Like that to me, what you said makes sense. Yeah. I think it makes sense on both sides of the spectrum too. I think it's just a man thing in general. So I, I definitely agree. Oh no, I'm talking about for all men. Yeah. Gay yeah. or straight. Like no, for way. sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Either way, either way, that is just what has, um, yeah, that's what's been portrayed and it's not true. Um, there's so much more, you know. Do you think so that women... More. Do you think women have a hand in that, though? Like, do you think women kind of perpetuate this narrative of men, uh, of, of the masculinity of a man? Do you think women have defined that? Or do you think men have defined that? Gosh. Um, I think perhaps women have in the sense that 
you know, the majority of the world is built, built on the heterosexual sense. And so to chase and to conquer and the women's likes to be pursued and they be like, no, I don't like this, but I do like this. Or I need you to do this or I, or I need you to do that. Yep. And then, um, yeah, when you think about the conversations, like we can get real down and dirty, you know, back in the day, like you were real down and dirty when you talk about girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember having this conversation with my friend once and where the topic was sleeping with someone that you know you should not go back to, but you went back to the sex was so good. So, yeah. you know, and those were the conversations like about how good it was. And I'm sure in some way that goes back to men. So, yes, I would say they have. No, for sure. I think even in my straight friends, I'll see certain moments of where there will be a pullback just because I think there's this discomfort with anything feminine. There's this discomfort with intimacy. There's a discomfort. You know what I'm saying? I think people assume that a woman will view view me lesser. You know what I mean? I don't want no soft man. I don't want no man who's crying about this. I don't want a man who's a narcissist. I have female friends who will go out with a guy, go to his home and see too many facial cleansers and I turned off. You know what I mean? Like he had too much. He was, he, he was too, you know, he had, you want, can you have, can man can have good skin? Like, is that a crime to have some good skin? But well, again, like, in I, I Atlanta, like in Atlanta. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I think it's even across, well, I mean, I get Atlanta's a little bit more of a hub for, for homosexual and queer, queer men. But I think across the spectrum, there is a level of policing. I think that goes into men's masculinity on both sides from men and from women. So. Yeah, I've heard that. I've definitely heard that. And men are not, men can be very, you know, especially like if they're heterosexual, can be so loving and then so vulnerable. I have lately encountered a lot of men, male clients going through breakups and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, wow. Men take breakups rough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, but they're still, you know, still want to be a woman and all that. So I think that, I think I talked about this and we talked about that when you're able to create that space for yourself and understand that sacredness and that safeness and that vulnerability and what Mm -hmm. it means. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying if you listen to a man that it's comfortable the first time, because it's not, but you can sit through the comfortability and then be okay with it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Man, this is such a good conversation. <laughs> but we got to come to an end. Oh, my goodness. I know. Last two questions. What's something kind that you have done for yourself? Oh, for me? Mm-hmm. Mm, something kind. Recently. Done for myself recently. Um, ooh. Um... Well, I'm furnishing my home, so I buy something for myself in here every five seconds. You know, I'm like buying furniture left and right, hanging stuff, and this feels gift-ish. So I, I, I guess I can say that. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Love it. And what would you like our listeners to know? What do you want them to take away? Really good question. I think with everything that I do, I want people to honor individuality. I want people to feel comfortable and confident in their individuality. You know, I don't want them to link it to anything. I I tell people all the time, even now in the space of racism and the pandemic and all these things that's going on, like don't allow your mood to define who you are. 
But I think a lot of times we will get angry and now we're an angry person or we'll get mad and now we're a mad person. We'll get sensitive and now we're a sensitive person. I think it's confining. I think we're a lot more multifaceted than we give ourselves the credit for. And so I want people to just feel like, just be patient with yourself and like, you just ask me, be kind to yourself. And I, I miss that on myself too, because I'm so hard on me because I know what I'm capable of. I know what I could have done. I know what my goals were. And if my friend messes up, I don't know all that about them. So I could easily give them some more grace than I would to myself. But for sure, like allow yourself to be flawed and allow the people around you to be flawed and, and do most things, if not everything, with love. Okay. For sure. Love that. Thank you. Honor your individuality. So where can people shower you with love? Mm, Where can they find me? Is that that the question? Mm. Oh, man. Okay. So in about a week and a half, you can go to godloves.shop. I'm dropping some apparel and um, definitely go search that and and, and support that. Uh, You can find me on YouTube at Combos with OBO. You can also find me on Instagram at OBOOJones. And um, you can find me in the, in the community. I'm out here, you know, doing what I can for the people. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a pleasure. Likewise. Wasn't that such a great conversation? I learned so many things about him, as always I do with my guests. Now, please remember to tag us on Facebook or tag us on Instagram on Authentic Wednesday Podcast. Please take a picture of the podcast, share what you loved, share what you learned. Don't forget to share with your family and your friends. Also subscribe, rate and review so other people can also hear this great message. The more you subscribe, the more you rate and review is the more people it gets pushed up into the list and more people get to hear what's going on in the podcast. So thank you so much again. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following our Instagram, Authentic Wednesday Podcast and visiting our website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination.